All right, so imagine for a minute that it's you, that you're born into a story. Imagine that you were born in the middle of 40 years of a, a, a tent city, 12 tribes, 12 kind of family units of adding up to millions of people, but you're a nomadic group wandering through a pretty desolate land, and you're born in the middle of that. Imagine that's you. You wake up every morning, and there's provision given, but you're not quite sure where it came from, and you hear stories from the, from the recent past, and there's stories of wonder. You hear stories about plagues and escape and deliverance from an oppressive nation where these people were slaves. You hear about crazy stuff like the Red Sea parting and, and, and manna coming down to feed everybody. And, and you see in front of you that sandals still haven't worn out and clothes haven't worn out. And you're watching all this happen. And you're, you're born under the leadership of this legendary dude. I mean, a guy who has got like, people don't mess with this guy. Because there are stories of what happens when you mess with this guy. You challenge him and the, the earth opens up and swallows people. So he's okay with you. And then you hear about this promise that on the other side of this river, there's this kind of mountainous land and then it's got some fertile valley and it's, and it's said that it's, it's flowing with milk and honey. There's stories about it and you hear that that land has been promised to your group, to your nation, that you're supposed to inherit it. So you're, you're living that life and then, all of a sudden, Moses dies. He's elderly, it happens, but he dies. The, the, the leader is gone. And there's a little bit of a scramble to try to figure out what's next. And then the word comes that God has spoken to your people and says, okay, the leader's gone, everybody's not sure what they're doing, and now's the time. Now's the time you're going to go over and you're going to inherit the promise of the land. That's for you. Oh, and one other thing, it's infested with giant people, and people who don't want you to come, and you're going to have to battle your way through every square inch in order to get it. Imagine that's you. Now, just bear with me and imagine for a minute that you, your name is Joshua. Imagine now that you were actually there and saw all those things, and you're the one remaining, one of two remaining people who have been through all the 40 years. And basically, you've been an aide to Moses, and now God comes to you and goes, you're going to lead him. Your job now. You're going to go from intern to military commander. Imagine what your reaction might be to that. That's the setting we get to when we get to Joshua chapter 1. If you've got a Bible, I invite you to take a look. Joshua chapter 1. And we're going to see some lessons from this, this season in this, the lives of these people. Lessons about facing adversity. Lessons about how promises from God get fulfilled. Pay attention to that one. Promises about how faith works and what your part in it is. And like we said before, if you, right now, if you find yourself, it, maybe it's going on in your life right now, if you find yourself in a position where you're just entering some new and unfamiliar territory and it's a little bit unsettling, it's kind of frightening, or you are facing something that is really discomforting to you, Something that's problematic. There's adversity in your life. There's something standing in your way. Or maybe you have been put into a position. Maybe it's because of a divorce and you've got your single parent. Maybe it's because of a death in the family or maybe it's something at work and you've suddenly been thrust into a position where you have more responsibility than you kind of wanted 
and you've been asked to lead, if any of that is true, then you're going to have some lessons that God's got for all of us here. Because, understand this, the same, it's the same God. The same God who's going to be present here and say these things, that same God is the same God who is ruler over you and this world and this room right now. He's the same God. And the same principles for what he has to share for them apply to us. So you get to Joshua chapter 1, and I'm just going to read a little bit, and then we'll stop and observe a couple things. Here we go. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, uh, to, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea, which is the Mediterranean, on the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now he talks to Joshua. By the, now Joshua is one of 12 tri- uh, spies who got sent in early into the land, 40 years earlier. If you know that story at all, four, 12 tri- spies get sent in, and they come back and report, and 10 of them say, we are not going in there. Oh, yeah, it's, it's got these huge, there's grapes like this big, but we're not, we're not going in there because there are fierce people. And we can't go in there. And two of them, Joshua and Caleb, say, but God told us to go in, so we should go. As part of the discipline of God on this wandering people for their lack of faith, that and other ways they showed it, God said that the nation is going to get to inherit it, but not this group. Their offspring will get it. Every one of these will die while they're waiting to get in, except for Joshua and Caleb, because of their faith. Joshua is that guy. Now, he's called an aide to Moses. You see that in verse 1? That's all he is. That, that, he, he's a helper. He's been a player, but he has not been the leader. And now suddenly he is the leader. And one other thing about Joshua. The name Joshua is in the Hebrew Yeshua. And that word, Yeshua, that name has significance. It actually means Yahweh saves. Yahweh is the rescuer. Do you know that when God himself decided it's time to take this whole process he's putting together through this and send the deliverer, his own son, flesh, God in the flesh, and he sends him to earth in human form, he gives him a name. You know what the name is? Yeshua. Joshua, or in the Greek of the day, Jesus, same name. He is the forerunner in that way. And this land is promised. That's where we get the, the, it's still used daily today over there. It is the promised land, promised to Abraham as the the start of this line through which God is going to create a nation, through which he's going to deliver his son to rescue the whole world. That land is a key part of the grand plan, the, re, the, the making and redeeming of God's kingdom, the theme of the whole story. It's going to be a base of operation. By the way, it still is going to be. A day is going to come where this same land is the same base from which Jesus, when he returns to earth, will reign and rule for a thousand years. It is, it is the same land. It was significant. And it's going to be divided in Joshua's day into these 12 regions, these 12 tribes, or the 12 based on the family units that were the sons of Jacob. They're going to be parceled out to have areas of it. And from this, we're going to learn some stuff. I'm going to give you three statements today from this passage that are, that are statements about what, how this happens, how, what God does and how he works when he sends somebody into, toward his blessing, toward his 
promises. And if you're like me, I'm kind of interested in blessed, being blessed. I, that's a, that feels good to me. That, does that feel good to you? I would like to be blessed. And God, I've always heard, well, God blesses his people, right? Okay, we kind of count on that. Okay, when he blesses his people, how does he do it? What are the principles we learn? Hang on tight, here we go. Here's the first of the statements. That God's path to promise or victory or blessing, ready? It comes through adversity, hard work, and sacrifice. Not what I want to hear. Because God says in those first five verses that we just read, I'm going to send you in, I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to, I'm going to, never going to leave you, but every foot you go in, you're going to conquer. He has already said that you have to conquer it. Now get this. Imagine you're part of the group. After 400 years of suffering and slavery, and God says, I'm going to give you deliverance. 400 years goes by, your tribe and your nation have suffered, and then he takes you out from there, and he takes you on 40 more years of waiting and struggling and wandering. And he says, okay, time is spent, you've done your time, it's time for this generation to go in, go on in. And now what he says is, oh, I pick up your sword. The blessing is going to come through battle. You're going to have to fight your way through it. I, you know, we, the things we do to dogs just crack me up because we have treats and we treat, you know, we, and we do this to our dog. And we t- teach him little tricks, you know. Now, I don't know if you're like us, but we do this thing where, where we give our dog a treat and she's learned some good tricks. But what ha- we, we never make her just do one trick. I, I don't know why. It's like we want to show off all her tricks. And so we make her do a series of tricks in order to get this little treat that's going to last for about half a second. So we say, sit, and she sits. But we don't reward her. No, no, no. Then we say, lie down. Okay? Oh, no, then we say, we say shake. And she, and she, she, but we don't give her the treat. No, we don't give her the treat yet. Now she shakes. And she's looking at us like, huh, huh? No, no, no. Now we want you to lie down. And she lies down. And then we say, roll over. And sometimes she does that kind of around this way thing. We go, no, no, you have to go over in order, you know. And then we give her the treat. Now, why do we do that? I don't know. It's just part of what we do. But, but it's almost like torture to her. And so what happens is we say, Shay, she's named after a stadium. They used <laughs> my daughter named her. She said, all, all my will goes to my daughter for that. We say, Shay, sit. And you know what she does? She sits. She shakes. She ro- that lies down. And she rolls over all like within the span of like a, a couple of seconds. Because she's learned, okay, I guess this is how it goes. I don't just get rewarded immediately. I got to go through a whole series of things in order to happen. You know what? God, developing your faith and your dependence on him does similar stuff sometimes. And he does it with, with these people. There are almost always obstacles that have to be overcome on the path to taking possession of his promises in your life. Why is it that every project you want to do around your house or that you want to hire somebody to do, every project, you, got, you know when you go into it, it's going to cost twice as much as you think and it's going to take twice as long as you think. It's kind of like the way of the world. But God says this, the pro, I, he has promises to us. When we follow him, I'm a follower of Jesus. 
I do not look back from that. I trust him. But pro- his pro- he gives all kinds of promises to me as a follower. But his promise does not equal ease. Rarely did God ever say to his people, okay, I'm going to give you something, and what I want you to do is I just want you to stand and wait. Now, we sing, I want to wait on the Lord. But waiting on the Lord does not mean being passive. It means continuing to walk on a faithful path and then looking for his intervention to do what, he want, what we ask, are asking him to do. There may be one or two times in all of Scripture where God said, all right, this battle, watch me. You just stand back, and I'm going to nail him. And he's done that a couple times, but most of the other times he says, trust me, and here's how you trust me. You go into battle, and you take your sword. And you fight trusting me. Nehemiah, when he was building the walls to rebuild the city of, uh, of Jerusalem, when, when he's building the walls and he had attackers from outside, it said they had, they had building materials in one hand and they had weapons in the other hand to fight off. Here they're doing God's stuff and, it, and God has told him and given him a promise that he will be somebody to rebuild the walls. In order to do that, he's got to hold a weapon the whole time. Because a promise does not equal ease. In the New Testament, Ephesians 6, you see this very... Most of you have been around church, you've heard this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Okay, you hear that? Be strong. You're going to have strength. And then it says, put on the whole armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Wait, there's a battle involved with being strong and making progress. Faith does not remove the obstacles. Hear that? You put faith in God for where the situation you're in or the leadership role you're in. Faith does not result in removal of the obstacles. What faith does is it, faith is what mobilizes us to face the obstacles. And so in our lives, I will tell you that this is true of me. We crave passive faith. We, we, we crave no resistance provisions from God. We want to just surrender and have Him just give it to us. Don't we? And so we pray things like, God, please, take this urge away from me. You ever prayed that? I have. Take this urge away from me. Would you just release me from it? Would you take it away from me? In, instead of what tends to be the case where he puts us in a position where we can form an action plan about the urge, where we trust him and his ways, but we take steps of faithfulness. We say, God, give me a better job, please. I need a different job. And if we're passive faith, we just want the phone to ring right then. We want an email to come. We want somebody to come up to us right then and there. And maybe what God says is, sure, I'll I'll take care of you. And now go out and look for one. Put your resume out there. Get rejected a few times. That doesn't mean you don't have faith. It doesn't mean you missed it. It's, it's the path toward your faith finding its realization in the promise. God, I've got this tension with this person. Would you take that tension away? What I kind of would hope to happen is the person gets transferred. That, that's awesome when that happens, man. They, they get fired. They get a new job. You know, just take the, help me with this interpersonal tension I've got when maybe what the faith step, the path to the promise of God giving you his best is the hard part, the adversity that comes with, I need to address this person 
I need to process this with them. I need to do something that's going to cost me something. See, I don't like that. I, I want passive faith, but, but God always calls us to active faith that trusts Him and trusts His ways, but faces the adversity. In 1 Corinthians 16, it says, Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage, be strong. That's a military statement. Courage and, 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 and strength come from engaging in battle, not asking God, and he takes it away. And, he, and God's very clear about this. He says, look, don't expect that a passive faith is going to get rewarded. There's, it's a funny thing. People were talking about the coming of Jesus to, and the apostle Paul, that he's going to return. And they said, so we can just kind of hang out. We don't have to do anything because Jesus is going to come back. He's going to take care of everything. We can just wait. We'll, we'll dress in white and sit on a mountainside and have candles and, and he's going to come. And Paul says this, even when we were with you, this is first Thessalonians three or second Thessalonians three, even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shouldn't eat. In other words, don't quit your job waiting for God to come through and, and serve you. If you want to eat, work. That's part of the faith. We hear that some among you are idle. They're, they're, busy. they're, they're not busy, they're busy bodies. Such people we command and, and urge in the Lord Jesus to settle down and earn the bread they eat. There, listen, there will always be. This is true for you, no matter how old you are, no matter how long you've walked with God or haven't walked with Him. There will always be new territory for you to take with Him. Always. There's new areas of growth, new areas of adventure, new areas of obedience. He wants to stretch you. He wants to strengthen you. There, there is, there's something that hasn't happened yet in your life that he still has for you. That will always be there. And it will always involve taking on more obstacles. It will not come easy. What, so let me just ask you, what adversity are you experiencing right now? Are you frustrated? Are you angry? Are you beside yourself? It very well be that part of the realization of the promise for God to bring you more strength and to bring you more blessing is going to be through that obstacle, through that adversity, not around it. So that's the first principle we get from this. The promise of victory and blessing comes through adversity, hard work, and sacrifice. Now, here, here's another one. that God's source of strength is, is not found in ourselves. It's found in His promises, His Word, and His presence. Look at verse 6. You can see this phrase happen three times here. Be strong and courageous. This is God speaking to Joshua. He's about to say, you're going to lead these people, and it's going to be a battle. And they're bigger than you, and they outnumber you, and they're stronger than you. You Ready? So here's what he says. Be strong and courageous. Okay. That's good advice. Now, keep reading. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it to the right or the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Here's the third time he says it. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Let me just ask you, have you ever, um, have you ever prayed the prayer, 
God, give me strength. A whole bunch of us have prayed that this week. Do you know why it's funny? This morning, in my prayer time, I was thinking about today, and I have a number of things stacked up today, a lot of stuff going on today. And, I'm, you know, I'm never... I'm, you ask me if, if I'm tired. I'm always tired. How are you feeling? Tired? I'm always tired. Are you always tired? I'm always tired. I'm sorry. I'm just always tired. And today I'm thinking, I'm tired. Wow, imagine that. I'm tired. I got all the stuff I got to do today. And so I, I go, God... Would you just give me strength? And all of a sudden it hit me. Oh, I just said it. I, I, I just said what I'm going to ask people if they say. And I said it today without even thinking about it. You wake up in the morning, you say, or you're in the middle of a situation, oh, God, give me strength. Okay, let me ask you a question about that. When you say that, what are you expecting the answer to be? Like, how is he going to give you strength? Now, I'll tell you what I typically think or hope. Well, it's kind of like he's going to just ener- send, like he's going to energize me. He's going to shoot something spiritual, and I'm just going to be. I was feeling weak, but all of a sudden, I got this like spiritual adrenaline rush, and he's given me strength. That's what I want him to do. Is, is that what you want him to do? That's what I'm hoping for because that would be really cool. And suddenly, my muscles grow, and I got a cape, and I'm like, I'm ready. I'm ready to go because that's what I want. That's what I actually think I want when I say, God, give me strength. You know what the answer, you know what the answer to that prayer actually is? God's going to tell Joshua how, how that strength is given. Do you see it in here? He's got a handful of things that where God, God says, look at, look at where the strength is going to come from because this is not a pep talk. God is not just saying, okay, you ready? No, you know what? I've been watching you for 40 years now, Joshua. And man, you have been developing. And man, you got some good attributes and you got some skills. You got skills, son. It's time to put them into action. You're, you can do this. Now let's get out there. It's like a football halftime thing. You know, God is not giving him a pep talk. He's not saying just muster it up. God's going to tell him where to look for, for the courage and the strength. And where he's not going to tell him to look is not in himself. It is not within Joshua himself that he's going to find that courage. It's not look deep inside and you're going to see it. And now I will tell you, everywhere else you look in our culture, that's the message you'll hear. If you can dream it, you can do it, right? You've got it, greatness within you. You just need to find it deep within you. With graduation speeches, I mean, that's all you hear at graduation speeches. Oh, you are the future, and if you just follow your heart, and you follow your dreams, the, all the successes you're going to have, you guys, if any of you guys just graduating, it is malarkey. <laughs> it's just not true. And, but yesterday, the Preakness was run. Second leg of the, uh, of the Triple Crown. And Dodge Ram bought commercial time during each leg of of the triple crown and it, uh, yesterday they unveiled a commercial during that broadcast i want you to watch this commercial and listen especially to the last line of this commercial here it goes Have you ever thought I could never climb a mountain? 
Glory. Ram. <laughs> 60 second spot, and it's intended to be empowering to females, in particular, who have excelled in certain areas where maybe females haven't excelled before. You saw examples of their, uh, of the jockeys and musicians and, uh, and other outdoor sports. And that last line says... Because the courage is already inside. And with apologies, if you or anyone you love works for Dodge, or for you if you drive a Ram, they are completely off. Because God is going to tell Joshua where the courage can come from. And if we listen, and if you and I listen, for the adversity that you face, we can apply this to us. Where does the courage come from? Where does the strength come from? This is where it comes from. Look at verse 6. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their forefathers to give them. Now this is one time it's used. It's used more than once. I won't take you to all the places. And the reason for the courage... Be strong and courageous because I swore this would be. The source of his courage is not within himself. The source of his courage is from a promise from God. When God makes a promise, God keeps a promise. You can bank on it. He may not do it in the time you like. He might not do it in the way you like. But the promise will not fail. That promise is the source of courage and strength. Joshua can number all the troops. He can practice his sword play. He can do everything he wants. But the reason he should be strong, the reason he should be courageous is because God made a promise. Guys, God made promises to me and he made promises to you. What are they? I'll tell you one promise. That everything he does will work together for the good of those who love him. Everything. He made a promise in the Psalms when he said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. He's, he's made a promise that he, he calls it an inheritance. There's an inheritance secure for you. I know where I'm going. I know where this ends. I know where my life will, will wind up and nothing, nothing will separate me from that. There is a promise there. And God says, don't look inside yourself. Look at the promises. The promises, when you see the promises, they will give you strength. They will give you courage. There's a, a movie called Big Fish out a few years ago, and this guy looks into a witch's eye, and he sees how he's going to die, and then he goes on an adventure. You don't need to see it, but here's the point. point. He's, he's going through this adventure, and this living tree grabs him, and it's going to tear him limb from limb, and he's struggling and struggling, and, then he, and the narration says, then all of a sudden I realized, because he had seen in the witch's eye how he's going to die. Well, this isn't how I die. 
And the branches drop him because oh, that's not how he's going to die. Okay, forget that illustration. This is what's true. <laughs> that God has made promises to you. And those promises are irrevocable. Because I know his son Jesus and his arms surround me, there are promises for where I'm going to go and the good that's going to happen in my life. Even when I'm beset by certain problems, even when I'm facing adversity, the promise keeps me going toward and through the adversity. I will survive this. We will survive this. God's kingdom will come. He will be glorified. And I get the spoils of that. Don't look inside yourself. Look at the promises. Can I urge you, ask yourself, what are the promises God has given you? Find them, dig them out, and hang on to them because they will empower you. The second thing that he says to look to is very similar to that and it has to do with what God has said in his word. Look at verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Here's what he says. So be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may be successful wherever you go. He says don't let it depart from your mouth. What that means is keep telling yourself the truth of what God has said. Don't look inside yourself. Look, in, look at his word and follow it. See, here's the thing. God has given you and I clear, absolutely clear instructions for how to behave today. What the optimal way to be a human being is today. Now, I might say, well, tell me which job to choose or which car to buy or who to marry or something like that. But today, he has given me plenty of truth about what it means to live in this world right now. He's given me principles and laws. And so my job is to simply follow those, put them into practice, exhibit in my steps the character that God says is to be revealed in his truth. Put that into practice. And when in doubt, just do what he says. You're facing a big decision. You don't know quite know what to do about this situation you're in where you're supposed to lead or whatever. Okay, well, here's what you do. No, look to his word and say, well, what does he tell me to do? Follow it. Don't compromise it. Don't pick and choose. See what it says? He says, don't turn to it from the right or the left. You know what that kind of means? It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not talking about his physical steps. It's talking about God has given a set of instructions, guidance. It's a love letter that God says the optimal way to live as a human is found in this. It's not just rules to just for rules sake. It's the best way to live. And so he says, don't turn from the, to the right or to the left. That means don't pick and choose the ones you want to follow because they make more sense to you or they feel good right now. Tell the truth all the time. Not just when you think it'll work to your advantage. Be kind all the time. Trust him all the time. Stay within his moral code all the time in every circumstance. What you've got in front of you to do today, look, don't, you want courage? The courage comes from doing the right thing. And God has said what the right thing is. Don't look to yourself. Look to his word. So the question is, so what does his word tell you? Can I just throw this out there? Read it. Study it. Be in it. Don't just come to church and hear me talk about it. Take it home. Make it part of your life. And ask yourself, what does God say about my life and where I live? How do I put this into practice today? Don't turn to the right or to the left from it. Put it into practice. And you know what will happen? God says that will produce courage in you. That will produce strength in you. You'll, know, you'll have confidence to do the right thing at the right time because you'll know what he said. And then he says, 
look at one other thing. Don't look inside yourself for this. Verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So what you look at is the, fact, is the presence of God with you right now in the moment. See, here's what, if, imagine if we're hearing this and we're about to go conquer, and my reaction would be, but, 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 Moses is dead. You know, the guy with the magic wand. That's, that's what we need. Anybody got the magic? Can anybody else get that magic from, you know, put it down and water comes out of rocks and you, the Egyptian army dies. That's what we need. And Moses had already said it. I'm going to skip here and, and show you what he had said. To, to Joshua. This is before Moses dies. This is in Deuteronomy 31. Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, look at this phrase, be strong and courageous. Same phrase. Moses used it, now God's using it. Why? For you must go with his people into the land of the Lord, swore to their forefathers to give them. You must divide it among their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. That phrase, that he will never leave you or forsake you, gets picked up by the writers of Scripture all the way in the New Testament in Hebrews. It says, God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And so, here's the effect it has on us. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? You're going to walk into an environment where you're facing adversity of one form or another, challenge, things you don't know what to, to do. But God says, where do you look for confidence? You remember the fact there's something that is true. And guys, it's true right at this very moment. Moment, That promise is still there. It is the presence of the living, all-powerful God with you in that circumstance right now. And you've seen movies and stories where somebody faces a bully, but if he's got a whole army of people behind him, suddenly the, the bully doesn't treat him quite the same, does he? You and whose army? Oh, this army. Oh. And God says, I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I say this to people just as a small example. Sometimes we get, when other people come and they speak here, maybe somebody who's not as used to speaking, and they're nervous about it. Of course, I get it. I'm nervous. But here's what I know is true. And I say this to our guests when they come in. For this people, there's something that's absolutely true. God chose you to be his instrument with this group of people. God has said, you stand in front of them, of all the people he could ask, In his sovereign will, he chose you. That means he has a purpose for you to be there. And he has said he will be with you. You let that empower you. Same applies in your workplace or in your school or in your home or your neighborhood or your extended family. You look to the fact that there is that the power of God is with you. He will not forsake you. So a word to those of us in the room who are leading families right now and you're not sure how you're doing you are god's chosen instrument in that family and he is with you in that he's got your back in that your authority and your security is based not on your abilities but on his presence focus on that and see what he does now now there's one other thing i got to point out about this passage before we're done all right and this is because I, I, I want us to walk away today feeling empowered by God to face the adversities in our lives. I want us to feel that. And I want you to walk away from that. But there is something else you need to understand. And here's, it, it's the last part of the chapter is going to illustrate it. 
that conquest, God's plan for conquest in your life is a community pursuit, not an individual focus. Okay, look what happens. Verse 10, Joshua orders the officers of the people. Okay, so God has a speech. He says, all right, here we, here, here we go. Go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving for your own. And now there are three, three tribes, actually two and a half tribes he's going to have a special conversation with. He says, but to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half tribe of Manasseh. Okay, those are, two, those are family units, children of Jacob. They're, they're groups of people. Joshua said, now I want to remind you of something. Moses, servant of the Lord, gave you this reminder. The Lord your God is giving you rest, has granted you this land. Your wives, your children, your livestock may stay in the land. Moses gave you east of the Jordan. They're going to head west. But all your fighting men, fully armed, must cross over ahead of your uh, brothers. You're to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest, as he's done for you, and until they've taken possession of the land that the Lord is giving them. After that, you can go back and occupy your land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise. You go, wait, what's all that about? Okay, that's in reference to something. Moses, in dealing with the tribes, before they're going to go trans-Jordan, east of Jordan, there are two and a half tribes that have a whole lot of livestock. And their livestock needed food to eat. And they saw certain lands that they kind of liked, this side of the promised land. And they said, would it be okay? Can we, can, you, can we have our land grant now? We'll just take this land. Is that okay? And Moses said to them, God said we can have any place where our foot steps. If, if that's where you want, you can have it. But he said to them, I need a vow from you. You're going to get your promise early. When you get your promise, it doesn't leave you off the hook for other people's promises. You are part of a community. You need to help fight and conquer the others. And they go, yes, sir, we'll do it. Yes, sir. So he lets them settle. They build some towns on that side before they ever go into the promised land. Now, Joshua, remembering that, says it's time to go. And he pulls those tribes aside and said, you're part of a community, guys. Remember your promise? Remember? This is not just about your needs. This is not just about your promise. This is not just about you getting yours and then being done. You're part of a community. It's time for you to come fight. You promised, ready? You're part of a community. Look at their response. Verse 16. And they answered Joshua, whatever you've commanded us, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you may command them will be put to death. And then they say, same thing. Joshua, be strong and courageous. Lead on. Now, there's a principle there that's very, very important for our lives. When you see your promise come to fruition, when, or let's put it this way, when you get out of your crisis, when you get over the tough part in your life, when other people have helped build you up, your job is not done. You're part of a community. You're part of a family. You've got responsibility. Can I tell you what? I'm just going to be honest with you and tell you a frustration of being in, in church leadership. You have people come into a, a group of people and they're hurting and they need God and they're desperate and they say, oh, I want God so badly. He, I need him to do stuff in my life. I need him to deliver me. And they come into a church or they come into a cell group and the people rally around them. They help them and they care for them and they walk through them. And, and then they, get, they kind of get over that hump. They feel better about themselves or their situation and suddenly they just kind of drift off. Well, you know, I got some other things I have to deal with right now. Or, you know, I just didn't feel like my needs were being met as much anymore. Well, you know, 
I, you know, I just, I, I felt like I just didn't connect anymore with that group of people. I, I will say this, not just because as a frustrated leader who sees that happen sometimes, but as your brother in a journey. When God intervenes in your part, when he brings you into a conquering community, you, you are committed. We're counting on you. We're counting on you to, well, I need you. When it's my turn to suffer, when it's my turn to need something conquered, I need to know you're there. You need each other to know that you're there. And God says it to his, to his conquering people. This is a thing that's done together. It's done in community. Don't just do it until you get yours, till you feel better, till your crisis is averted. If you have stepped out of it, if you have withdrawn from it or drifted from it, it is time to be asked the same question. Will you fight? Will you join the fight with others? Well, I'm not sure I'm strong enough yet. I'm still weak. You're still part of the team. You're still part of the journey. And will you make the same statement that these folks make to Joshua in verse 16? Whatever you've commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. I want to encourage you to make it, to reaffirm if it needs to be a commitment that you are part of a group of people. If you're not in a cell group, get back into one. If you're part of this body, be part. We are facing adversity. We need to face it together. And God calls on every tribe, every member of the tribe to pick up a weapon and fight on behalf of your brothers and sisters. That's how conquering happens. It's how conquer, how things have been conquered in your life before this. It's how it will be conquered in each other's lives after this. Will you affirm that commitment again? It's enough for today. Let's pray.